Welcome to the Hassan Sorrells Audio Experience. My name is Hassan Sorrells. Today, we are going to talk with Daniel Felt. Now, Daniel's got an interesting background, which he is going to tell us all about, but he is the founder and CEO of At Cura Home. Actually, it's not At, it's just Cura Home. <laughs> um, and so he's going to tell us a little bit about Cura Home. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he became the founder and CEO of Cura Home and what exactly it is that is involved in the exciting world of home maintenance. Now, I know a lot of you are thinking, how exciting could that world possibly be? What could possibly be going on there? And we are going to talk about all of that today. So, hello, Daniel. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what do you do and how did you get into uh, how did you get into home maintenance? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you said, my name is Daniel. I'm uh, who I am. I think everybody find us. I'm uh, married. I have a two year old and there is uh, number two is on the way any second. So awesome. uh, if, if we cut short, that, that's why uh, <laughs> we, it is that close. But uh, yeah, we my wife and I live um, out in rural Minneapolis and uh, on a little hobby farm. But I started Cure Home in 2016. Uh, it goes way back when I was growing up. I helped my family build their dream home. And that took about two years rather than the typical couple months because we did so many things ourselves. So really got that experience there and always felt like I, I had an entrepreneurship spirit. I wanted to always invent something or have my own business. But, you know, it always seems like a crazy idea, right? And, and pretty soon at the right moment, the idea came up to start a home maintenance subscription for homeowners. And... I did a bunch of research and I was at the right time, the right spot in my life where I was single at the moment. I got a reverse equity line against my house. I had a little bit of cash that I could play around with. And I was actually house hacking. So I was renting out the base of my house and I had a little side business uh, boarding and training dogs as well in my backyard. So had cash flow wasn't going to be too big of an issue if in case the company didn't take off right away. And yeah, I just, at the time it was, I remember thinking I'd rather try it now and fail. I, you know, I was uh, 26 so I can, jump back into the job market pretty quick if needed, but I'll try this out and, and give it a whirl. Awesome. So entrepreneurship, talk with us a little bit about that, because one of the things that we're fascinated by on this podcast and that I'm personally fascinated by is this idea of entrepreneurship, right? Um, and you said you were in rural Minnesota. Uh, many times people associate entrepreneurship with um, living in a big city or uh, working at a tech company or something like that or coming up with an interesting software hack. That's not what you did. It sounds like you've been very practical um, all the way through. Tell us a little bit about why that is. Yeah, I I think growing up in a even more rural community, uh, way out in in Litchfield, Minnesota, our driveway was half mile long. But you grow up hearing a lot of things like you know uh, pay the farm off as quickly as possible, right? Like debt is bad. Like we, you know, like this big world of having like private equity contact you and and wanting to buy your company for a million dollars or or doing you know a crowdfunding or all these different things, different ways to start a business. That just wasn't something that was in my vocabulary at the time. And so it was, you know, if you're going to start this company, you know, you, you go out and you either you have the tools to do it or you don't. So right off the bat, um, you know, some of these big things of like running, you have to start making money right away. You can't mm -hmm. just start a company and be like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to hire, you know, 15 engineers or all these software people. We're going to start, we're going to sell product in five years. No, mm -hmm. that's, that was just not, that was very foreign to me. So I yeah. had to take the practical approach because it was like, you, you need to put on your table, right? So it's like, I need something that. People can hire me. I can send them an invoice that day. They pay that day. And, you know, you can pay your bills that week. I like the idea 
of having and of owning and of operating boring businesses. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you because, um, and I don't know how old you are, it doesn't really matter. I'll, I'll reveal my own age. You know, I'm in my mid 40s and I've come through a time where um, the hottest modes of entrepreneurship, right, um, are either in, uh, in social media um, or in tech companies, right? Um, everybody who uh, not everybody, but a lot of the people who came um, into the world of entrepreneurship uh, over the course of the last, I would say, the back end of the last 10 to 15 years, right, have really kind of focused in that thing where, kind of focused in the space where I'm going to be a YouTube star or I'm going to be a TikTok star, right? Um, but there are boring businesses where you can make more money in a steady way and you never show up on TikTok. I mean, uh, you know, you talked about you, you, when we initially talked, you, you were like, hey, you know, I don't really do any advertising. I just kind of do podcasts. Right. So tell us how you kind of have leveraged the new media stuff without getting sucked into that whole like I need to be a YouTube star. I'm going to get 10,000 followers and it's going to be great kind of maelstrom that a lot of people have gotten pulled into. Yeah, we are definitely not a sexy business, like you said. I mean, air duct cleaning is not sexy. You know, taking care of people's homes, you know, it's not like you're like, oh my gosh, let's see what it's all about. But one thing that we 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 are aware though that in today's day and age, like everyone is throwing on their phones. You know, I don't know the average screen time, but I try to keep mine super low. But I know people are spending four or five hours a day, three to five hours a day on their phones, right? And so with that, there's all these apps. So how do we get there? Our entire goal has been to just educate people. And knowing that, hey, you know, it's a giver's gain mentality. Like 99% of the people that follow us on all the social medias or whatever, like are, are out there, they're following us because they learn something about how to clean your bathroom pan or clean your refrigerator coils, all this stuff that is not, uh, it's very boring. It's extremely boring, but consistency over time has done well. And we, we have dabbled, we have played around at certain times of putting money into advertising, um, you know, when the cost per lead is effective for us. But as privacy settings get more and more strict, it, it becomes more and more difficult. And, and so from there, you have to be offering a service that people want. Like, and that was one thing in the beginning, like everyone thought this was the best idea they'd ever heard of. And we actually started offering monthly visits. And luckily mm -hmm. I switched to quarterly after talking to an individual because um, at that time, I everyone's like, Daniel, this is the best idea ever, a home maintenance subscription and no one was signing up. So Right. Again, it's not sexy, and we luckily made a few changes. But our goal is just to continue to educate people and get so much content out there. And we've gone, we've had our little viral things of like 60 million views here and there, and that's kind of fun. But at the end of the day, I mean, you you really just need to keep educating people. So that when like their neighbor here has a problem, you're like, hey, you got to call. You know, I follow this guy on social media, or you know, I heard about these guys at Cure Home. You got to contact them. Well, and it sounds like Cura Home is going down the road that, um, you know, uh, a construction company or an asphalt company might go down or a vending machine company or a, um, a laundromat uh, company, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, these are businesses that, quite frankly, people will want when they are gone. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, more and more baby boomers are retiring every day. Um, on average, uh, that is the largest. I mean, there's 65 million folks in that generation. Um, on average, I don't want to say on average, but a lot of them have left behind or are leaving behind businesses that their kids don't want to be involved in. Because again, you know, the younger generation looks at the sexier things and goes, I want to go there. Um, but at a certain point, someone's going to have to manage those businesses. I mean, my wife and I even invest in boring businesses, right? Um, because there's some, and you can get those on the cheap now. And so there's some contrarian thinking that goes on, that goes on there. Um, talk to us a little bit about, 
sort of the education piece because I like it that she said that, right? So education, relationship building, how do you do that? Um, you said, obviously, you know, cleaning the coils in the back of your refrigerator, not always exciting, right? Or cleaning your ducts or the, the, um, the, uh, the, the blades on your fans, your ceiling fan, yeah. right, in your house, right? Uh, how are you educating folks? Kind of walk me through sort of what is it educate and we're an education training company as well. So like, what is the education of that look like for, for folks? For sure. I think for us, it's kind of one of those things that it's just like a core value in the very beginning. You know, I had my parents build their dream home, but then to start this company, like you're a professional, if people are paying you to provide a service, you need to be professional. So hmm. I became a certified home inspector so that I know what's going on. And we have like simplistic properties, like a, a condo or townhome usually very simplistic when it comes to maintenance. And we have like $12 million estates that we maintain mm -hmm. and everything in between. And so right off the, off the get-go, we started creating documents and processes once I hired my first employee on, on what it looked like to train these people. And then from there, we just started, you know, sharing that similar content on education. So we'll jump on it. And, it, and originally it's really hard because you feel like you have this like secret sauce. But realistically, there's like, I, the last time I read a stat, it was like 12 years of content uploaded to YouTube every single day. So there, it's not a secret sauce. It's either you're going to give the people what they want or they, they'll make they go type it in and, and hopefully they see it, you know, through you first. But, you know, for us, it's just we're going to continue educating all these people so that they're at least aware of it. And then if you're not going to get it done, at least, you know, I could hire to your home to get this done. So we just constantly, anytime we find something interesting and, you know, we're pulling on right now four to 10 new clients a week. So we have the uh, we get the pleasure of seeing all these new homes that have been neglected for a really long time. And everyone's really embarrassed. So we never tag anyone or anything like that. But we're seeing all these great before and afters. And people love that, especially with things like dryer vent cleaning, AC unit cleaning, uh, air duct cleaning, where you're getting the satisfaction of you can actually see it coming off. And I, not that we're this, but I like to think of like, how come Dr. Pimple Popper has been so satisfying? Like how so successful? Like people just love seeing that. It's the exact same pimple, but it's like a different area of the body or a different skin tone or a different size pimple. But it's it's the same thing over and over and over. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're so repetitive, we're so boring, but like slowly but steady, more people keep on like I've been following you on social media for three years and we decided to to sign on or I've been getting your newsletters for, you know, X amount of years. So that consistency, even though to you as the expert in the field, can seem like there's no way someone wants to see another stupid air cleaning video. Those people are like, they see it and that, they just might be like playing cards with their friends or, you know, mm -hmm. doing whatever. And they're like, oh, have you seen these videos from Cure Home? And also you get a couple more followers. So mm -hmm. that consistency is so key. And people, you know, what, at homes are becoming more complex. And as the expert, you think everyone knows what you know and they don't. And so really explaining it to you as if you had a four-year-old sitting next to you and like, hey, you probably clean a bathroom fan and you have to safely climb the ladder and you need this vacuum. So all that stuff is um, really fun. So dumb it down, make it simple, and people, they dive into it, and they really enjoy it. I love it how you said that. Everyone doesn't know what you know. I mean, that's how we started. That's how I started it, you know, uh, my first business in training and development, uh, you know, because I thought, what are the things that I know that other people don't know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the, in the, in the blue-collar space, um, which is a space you're, you're kind of occupying, um, there are multiple things that I don't know. Of course, I'm going to go to YouTube because I don't know. I will watch 30 videos on air duct cleaning because what do it's scary. You're right. Houses are complicated. It's scary in there and I might break something. Right. Um, <laughs> plus, you know, my father, God rest his soul, not around. Can't tell me, can't teach me, you know, to go how to go up and, and do that. And by the way, if my father were alive, he would probably be looking at it on YouTube, too. So, I mean, there you go. Let's be real here. Right. Um, 
So we are on the depending. Well, and you're in Minnesota. I, I, you know, and so um, depending upon which part of the country you are in, we're in various stages of coming in and out of COVID. How did that impact your business? Talk to us a little bit about that, because I would assume that you experienced the same spike that um, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's did where, you know, people were hanging out in their house for six months and they all of a sudden realized, oh my gosh, I can go fix that. Yeah. Did you experience a real bump during COVID? And are you continuing to experience that now? Yeah. So our, at that time, um, you know, March, beginning of March, we were running about four crews here in Minnesota, um, you know, trying to grow. Um, my wife and I were expecting our first child. So we were planning on like mm-hmm. hiring an office manager to, because she, she was also working in the business with me. And um, it was pretty, I, I think anyone who says they weren't like a little scared at the time, maybe has short term memory, but we had, we were freaked out for sure. And actually there was a company out of Pakistan that started stealing our videos and putting them in Facebook community pages saying that they could clean our air ducts. And then they would like sub it out to a, like a, um, you know, like a, someone without like a company logo or anything like a, like a white band, mm-hmm. um, yeah. call them like Chuck in a truck or whatever. But, um, you know, these guys, they're subbing them out. So we were getting calls. So there was a day where we were, we were getting more calls from out-of-state than in-state in March because everyone's getting at home on social media. And it was, a, it was a nightmare. Luckily, I, like, got in, had a few choice conversational words with these people. They were mad at us that I was contacting them. And I'm like, the problem is that in the first sentence of the meeting, it's, of the video, it said, hi, I'm Daniel with Kira Homes. People are just Googling Kira Home, And then they're like, you're right. not in Michigan. Why are you calling us? So super scary. And then, like, the end of March hit, early April, and the phone started ringing and it didn't really stop. We went from four crews and by that April and by August 1st, we had nine crews running and we expanded into Denver, Colorado. So in like June that year, I remember, I believe almost monthly or, or every single week, we were adding a new crew on Mondays. As soon as we got booked out in seven days, we'd add another crew. So we grew very, very quickly. Our routine maintenance side of the company grew very fast as well. People realizing again, to your point, is that they're at home they're not taking care of any of this stuff. Like, well, what's the air quality like in my house? Like, well, you know, a lot of times uh, the husbands are blamed. It's like, you haven't changed the furnace filter in a year and we're breathing this air all day long. <laughs> so, um, so a lot of that stuff really came through. And around that same time, we really started working with social media influencers a lot. And um, really simple, we would contact them and say, do you want to do a trade of service? We'll come and maintain your home for you. And will you post about us each time we're there? And we got to the point where we were working with about 120 different social media influencers and they were posting about us and it was i call it artificial word of mouth where it's like mm-hmm. they're just they're spraying the word out so here's th- to 30 40 50,000 followers that they have and between all like it seems like everything just kind of lined up at the same time it was like all these roads merging and all of a sudden boom we're in the fast lane and it and it worked out really nicely i would say our co- uh air duct cleaning has demand has slowed down but also the amount of people that started air duct cleaning companies if i could do a search I would say there's 150 new air duct cleaning companies in Minnesota in the last two years. Yeah. Um, but the routine maintenance, it's a snowball going down a, a mountain because we're pulling on, like I said, about four to 10 new clients a week. Plus we're servicing the, the you know, 150 or 200 clients that we serviced three months ago. So it's, uh, it's, it's, that's going very nicely. Well, and, and I think you're going to find in the air duct cleaning business the same thing that we are finding in the um, in the podcasting business. <laughs> you know, I think you're going to find the same thing where everybody believes they can do it. Yep. Everybody's going to start because, oh, it looks like it's printing money. Mm-hmm. And then in five years, none of those people will be around. Right. Or at least 90% of them will be gone. 
mm-hmm. um, and it'll probably take about five years for them to realize that oh I can't do this and I'm and I'm out. So you you know you already and you talked about you know the consistency piece which I love. Um, you talked about just sort of you know figuring out unique ways to market which I love. You talked about there's no secret sauce which is keeping you humble which I love. I suspect that out of those 150, you know, air duct cleaning companies that aren't doing the return, that aren't doing the um, the routine maintenance, they aren't doing the, um, the, they're struggling maybe with their marketing or they're riding your coattails, you know, um, they're buying a bunch of pay-per-click ads, you know, which is fine initially, but that's going to suck through your margins and your J-curve is going to go upside down. Uh, I suspect you're probably going to outlast all of your competitors. Um or at the very minimum, there's going to be maybe two or three that are really good who get it, and then everybody else will just fall off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say that even though I've not been around the business world, and probably don't talk to as many business people as, as you do, I, I'm assuming the same thing. It seems like it's like a lot of these companies come and go quite quickly. And we've yeah. gotten to the point, actually, we've reduced our ad spend. It's, it's probably 10% of what it once was. So we're kind of going through that cycle. But exactly to your point, that reoccurring maintenance model, we could survive just off of that. And that, mm-hmm. that is the ultimate goal, that we just have thousands and thousands of, of homes that we're maintaining quarterly. But when you tell people that you do dryer vent cleaning, they also want the air duct cleaning done as well. People just assume they're the exact same thing. And it is kind of the same, but it's but it's different. But the, the good thing about air duct cleaning is, is if I come to your home today and we do it, you pay today. And the routine maintenance is that way as well. But the way that we do the pricing structure, maybe this is a good thing, maybe it's bad. But if I come to your house today and we do we take care of all these stuff all this stuff for you, we charge the same thing every single quarter. It actually takes until that third visit to be profitable. And so if you're growing quickly, it's it's actually quite tough to run a huge profit in the beginning. Now with about six hundred and fifty routine maintenance clients, not an issue. But in the beginning, I'd be like, That's great. I just maintain I just, you know, got this first client for three hundred and fifty dollars per quarter, but I'm losing money. I just lost a bunch right. of money servicing your house for the first time. So it's a very interesting um, process, but with it, the, they feed each other, and and about fifty percent of people that do sign up for the routine maintenance also get their air ducts cleaned because it's like, hey, we're just gonna we're gonna do a deep clean here. We're gonna get everything nice, up to date, and everything in my house is nice to maintain, and and you know that's a really good feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let me ask you the the, the quote unquote boring question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about the systems that are in my house. If I'm listening, what are talk to me a little bit about the systems in my house. Um, talk to me a little bit about what Cura Cura offers um, mm-hmm. for uh, dealing with those systems in my house. And um, you mentioned air quality. Mm-hmm. What is the general air quality in somebody's house, um, and why is that important for us to really pay attention to? Yeah, for sure. For the routine maintenance, we spend a lot of time in three rooms. It's the kitchen, the utility room, and the laundry room, mostly because there's there's machines in those rooms. So we'll come into your kitchen, and the nice thing is, is when we do an estimate, we actually just do a quick walkthrough with you about 15 minutes, and we say, it's on, here's everything that we can maintain in your house, but then you can pick from the items that we pointed out that need to be maintained, and then each one has a price. Some things are really cheap, like greasing oil in your garage doors, takes a few minutes, I think it costs like seven bucks. Other things like softener salt delivery, which is needed in, in Minnesota because we have hard water. That's more expensive because a bag of salt costs seven dollars, and you mm-hmm. need five or six bags. So we walk through and we point out everything we do. You can pick, and then when our technicians show up, it's a really nice little report card on our iPad. So we're gonna walk through. We're gonna clean the refrigerator coils. We're gonna change that water filter. We will polish all the stainless steel appliances, clean them up, polish them in your kitchen. We clean and seal the granite countertops. We degrease the range hood for you. We clean and sharpen the garbage disposal, dishwasher filters. Uh, the 
almost every i like geek out when i go into home depot or Lowe's and i look at all the dishwasher i open them all up and they all have filters <laughs> and so it's like job security so a lot of things have filters now and uh, i'm sure i'm missing one or two in there but um but that's kind of what we do in the kitchen up in the laundry room uh dishwasher the uh, washing machine a lot of them have it looks like a little postcard the size of a postcard a little door is mm-hmm. on the bottom there's a filter that, that needs to be cleaned out and then the did the uh, washing machines also get really smelly and dirty. So now we also clean the interior. A lot of times that rubber seal is really nasty. So we clean that out for you. And the dryer needs to be cleaned out internally and externally. Even if you're cleaning out your limb trap um, after every single load, which you should be doing, you still need to get in and clean that internal side. And then about once a year, depending on the usage, like if you have a large family, I came from a family of six, our dryer ran every single day pretty much. We probably should have cleaned it you know, every few months. But most the average home, you should be cleaning that dryer on an annual basis. Down in the utility room, we are providing changing your furnace filters. There's a, uh, in Minnesota, we have humidifiers that mm-hmm. run um, in the winter. So we're not getting static. Uh, you're not getting shocked every time you touch something. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that water pad, try and change that. We drain the water here sediment. It's really similar to like giving an oil change. You're just getting the sediment out of the bath. It's not rusting out. Testing and inspecting sump pumps. There is a uh, air exchanger. There's called HRV or ERVs that are at the box hanging in your room. That's probably the most neglected item that we see. Three filters in there and uh, and the softener salt as well in the utility room. Outside of that, we're doing all kinds of things. Uh, you know, cleaning the AC unit, changing smoke alarm batteries, changing the directions on your fans in the spring and fall, cleaning bathroom fans, clean drains for you. So there's 32 different items that we can do in your home. And uh, yeah, it's, it takes it takes a pretty it, it, homes are becoming so complex especially as they grow and as things are not built the way they used to people manufacturers are putting filters in them to try to make it so they can build them cheaper and then people aren't maintaining the filters because they weren't taught that growing up you know they don't they don't know but i would say what's the general air quality in people's homes i would say poor people are not changing filters as frequently as they're supposed to if you know someone in the hvac industry and you say hey just curious what's the number one reason why you get called to a home and something's not working they will probably tell you that it's due to neglected maintenance. People are not changing filters when they're supposed to, and they're not following manufacturer's recommendations and getting a tune-up on an annual basis. We don't provide tune-ups. We do refer that out to HVAC companies. We're like the janitor that's coming to your home and doing all this stuff. So, um, you know, I would say once you, if you're not cleaning your air ducts, especially if you have a new home, a new baby, a new furnace, or new construction project, or you have a couple dogs running around or it's been a couple of years, you're gonna have a lot of dust and debris in every single time that your furnace runs that's just feeling that. So if you open, if you wake up tomorrow morning, you wipe your uh, nightstand and you have a bunch of dust there, that's a really good sign that your air ducts need to be cleaned. I personally clean my air ducts about every two years. We recommend every three to four. That is great information um, for us to know. Uh, most of us don't even think about the air quality um, of what is in our homes. We actually really, we don't think about it. We don't think about our indoor air quality um, as deeply as probably po- we probably should. I think probably mm-hmm. people are more sensitive to it um, post-COVID than they mm-hmm. ever were before. Um, and so obviously, I mean, that's been a boon for your business. It's been a boon for Cura Homes. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also made people more aware, which is also good, you know. Um, but it is it is a factor of, you're right, I mean, it is a factor of laziness. Yeah. <laughs> and just not knowing, you know. Right. Um, plus, as you said before, um, homes aren't built the way that they used to be built. Um, a lot of us live in um, either suburban environments or exurb mm-hmm. environments, right? Um, you know, and if you're not in a space where 
that's something you've ever thought about because you went from an apartment right to a suburban home. Mm-hmm. You're just not going to have that kind of, you're not going to have that kind of awareness, you right. know, as your family has expanded over the course of time. Um, talk to us about a little bit about, um, do you, well, do you work with apartment buildings? Do you, do you go in those kinds of situations and talk to us a little bit about what you see in those kinds of, those kinds of environments? Yeah. Next week we're cleaning 225 ACE units at a apartment complex. Uh, it's really tricky dealing with, um, anything in the rental um, area when you're renting an apartment or you have a landlord that owns like five to 10 properties, they're really, really focused on getting money to the bottom line. And a lot of times they're like, well, I'll just go in and change the filter once a year and it'll be fine. And you know, the tenants can do it at other times. So it's really an interesting thing. We really think of ourselves as like a white glove treatment. We come in, we have very high quality technicians. They're friendly. They smile when they get there. We have nice vans. You know, we, we really are focused on this. We're not like this cheap, like, yeah, I'll change your filter for seven bucks. You know, that, that's not that's not us. And so um, we do work with rental properties, but a lot of times you have to find the right one who actually cares about maintaining their property and they see the value in that. And we can we try to come in and be really affordable. I'm not trying to like buy a new yacht by cleaning your 225 AC units, I promise you. But, you know, we but there is a cost to doing business, right? And so a lot of times people are looking for the absolute cheapest route and they're like, well, I can just, you know, I'll hire an HVAC company to, to when they do a tune up just to change the furnace filter. So there, it depends on what you're looking for. If you want your entire home maintained, usually the people that really care, they, a lot of times they are in higher end homes and a lot of times rentals are, are quite a bit, you know, cheaper. People are buying cheaper properties. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, yeah, it's a catch 22, but yeah, next week we're cleaning 225 AC units and, and we can do, we'll do a lot of air duct cleaning in apartments, especially on when it's a new, um, a new management because a lot of times mm-hmm. they try to get everything freshened up, get the rent rate up, do a re- cash out refinance and move on to the next one. So they really tried hard to improve the quality. And, and so they're actually looking to spend money so they can really improve the quality of the, of the building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I wonder now with the, with talk of a recession, although who mm-hmm. knows, you know, our numbers are kind of all over the place and right. part of that's a function of us just, Hmm. Part of that's just a function of us using old, old metrics to measure new things. I think I think we're in the midst of a of a market and an economic transition right now. Yeah. Um. From one thing to another. Um. But as people kind of you know move around as um as as the the lockdowns have decreased as you know the COVID guidelines have shifted from the CDC, um and of course as um money becomes tighter, you're going to see more and more people moving into these apartment situations or moving out of them, and and it's just it's bulges in the market. So it sounds to me like you're running two different business models. You're running a direct to consumer sort of B to C kind of model, but you're also running a B to B model. So you kind of got two different sides going. Is that is that would that be accurate? Yeah, a little bit. We don't, we barely focus on the B2B. Barely. Yeah. We're like, we're focusing on homeowners, like these C-level execs. I mean, we're, you know, we're focusing on people that are, I, I don't want to be as bold to say economy proof, so I don't want to uh, eat my own words uh, in the future. But, but we are focusing on people that are, you know, typically like larger homes need more maintenance. And mm-hmm. so with that, and, and their people are willing to spend the money to just, they, they want to spend Saturday morning with their kids at the soccer field or the park. Right. They don't want to be in Home Depot trying to remember what size stupid furnace filter is or, you know, getting salt all over the back of their Lexus or Mercedes or whatever it is. Right. And so, um, so that's, so we do try to focus there. I do um, assume, and again, no one knows what's going to happen, but I, I am prepared for air cleaning to drop 20%, our sales to drop 20% just because of an oversaturated market. And 
you your home isn't going to completely fall apart if you don't clean the air ducts this year. Right. You don't have to have it done. If your furnace goes out and it's a negative 20 degree, negative 20 degrees in a January day in Minnesota here, guess what? You're going to find out. You have, you're going to do whatever it takes to fix it. Oh, yeah. Like, you'll finance it. You'll do whatever you have to do to get that taken care of. And so that's one. That's the bad part about not having a sexy business or a super needed. You can wait until you get a bonus or, you know, some extra cash flow to get uh, some of these things done. But a majority of our customers, I would say, are they seem to be without asking them anything financially they seem to be very very stable and have like a couple stools you know a couple legs holding up their financial stool yeah yeah i think all the folks in apple valley are still going to keep calling you yeah i think it's uh i think you'll be all right there um okay let's um let's switch gears a little bit because again i do do you know i do education i do training i do development i'm fascinated with sort of that interior of how business run with their people um talk to me about how, how many folks you've got on your crew and sort of how do you train up somebody to really um do this kind of work at cura homes yeah so right now um we've actually downsized quite a bit because we had added handyman service and we found out that we don't make money doing that so we pulled back on that so we were actually at 52 employees last year we pulled way back we had to get rid of the handyman division so right now we have 18 uh, people in Minnesota. We have one person in our Denver location. And um, the way that we really focus on getting people up and running is A, just hiring people that are like qualified to do the work, right? So answering the right questions during the interview process. And, I, and you know, now it can be challenging, but just getting people in the door that are like willing to learn. They don't say, I know the entire time, you know, yeah, I know how to do this. I know how to do that. So getting people that are hungry to learn. And from there, we do a ton of on the job training. So we have a 600 page manual that we has tells you everything like who, what, why, when, how, even interesting talking points. Like our, our training manual will tell you that the garbage disposal was invented in 1927 in Racine, Wisconsin. And that's so boring, but it's an interesting talking point. And, and, yeah. and uh, actually garbage disposal was illegal in New York until the early nineties because they thought they would damage the septic systems and sewers. So there's all these interesting things that, um, you know, you're sitting there talking to homeowner and they're maybe they're, watching over your neck they want to know exactly what you're doing and you just have you you just you have to be the expert so you know mm -hmm. chatting all that on top of that you know a, a piece of paper is only as good as the person that's reading it so on top of that we have a 45 day reoccurring schedule that every day our technicians come in from 720 to 735 and we cover at least one manual one topic that's going on so the garbage disposal for example we'll go through and read exactly here's how you do it here's why commonly asked questions, you know, and it's, it's in, it's in word or it's in Google word. So we can upload, you can edit it right there. If a guy says, well, actually, you know, I've had someone ask me this and we'll add it. And what's the best way to answer that as a group. So that's just a living, breathing document. And I don't think very many of our guys actually know that we repeat that stuff every 45 days, but you just keep on bringing it up and, and, and learning. And, and, uh, on top of that, one thing that we try really hard is to run 1.5 guys per crew. So if we're running 10 crews, we try to have 15 technicians. That allows for the guys who are busy to have an extra person helping them. It allows if we want to add an extra crew, we can do that quite quickly because someone's trained in. And, of course, people, you know, stuff comes up, um, you know, or a dog's got to go to the vet or they're not feeling well. And it makes it so that our, the amount of people that we need to reschedule is, is very minimal. It sounds like, and by the way, I love it that you're training folks every single day on something that really matters. I, I love that. You know, uh, one of the things that I really believe in fundamentally is, uh, is, is in every organization, every organization needs to be training their people. Uh, don't just assume people know it. Um, you know, we always say that in, you know, in my other business where we do training and development, we always say, listen, um, 
if I'm a technician working for Daniel, uh, Daniel is only a guest star in my story. I'm the main I'm the main focus, right? And what I know, what I care about is really what's important. Just like in Daniel's life, I'm a guest star. And <laughs> that's just kind of how it works, right? We're all guest stars sort of in each other's dramas. Well, on the one hand, when you want to get something done that's of critical uh, necessity, that the only thing that kind of covers that gap is going to be training and development. That's that's mm-hmm. really the only thing. Uh, the other thing that covers that gap is leadership, and it seems to me that you've shown some real leadership in in uh, implementing those training programs, um, and in not only expanding your workforce but then also contracting it because that probably took a lot of um, that probably took a lot of courage to sort of make that decision, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not super easy, especially though, you know, we said we weren't going to talk about age, but I'm going to be 33 this month here. And I think like right now, you know, you've got all this piss and vinegar rocking and rolling. You're ready to go. You want to take over the world. Right. And and so you want to conquer and and you have to like your 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 company is only as good as your P&L. And when you're losing money and you really start diving into it, it's like, why are we losing money here? And it's like, well. Because the handyman stuff took off like crazy. And for me, being a systems and process guy, we started it in February and we had 11 handyman crews going by October. I mean, this thing was like, boom, we went really fast. But we, but we weren't making money. There's so many variables in it because, hey, son, if you wrote down really quick, tell me 10 things a handyman does. And, and then I wrote them down and all the listeners did. We'd have this ginormous miscellaneous list of things that handyman can do. And that was what was really challenging. And so the nice thing about our 32 maintenance items is I can train you in, I'm going to do 32 things. And the water heater at your house is probably really similar to your neighbors. And and so I can repeat those systems and processes quickly. But the handyman needs of you and your neighbor are completely different. And so that mm-hmm. was really, really challenging. So, yeah, it's not always fun to sit here and be like, yep, we had to close it down, we sold the vans and whatever. But the truth of it is, it wasn't making money. We had to. And uh, and and it was really hard at the time. But um Personal-wise, we were able to, you know, a lot of those guys found new jobs. I actually start, I helped two of them start their own company, and they're they're doing just fine. So we were able to. There was definitely a few positives in that experience. Awesome, awesome. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're taking care of your people, you're taking care of your customers, um, you're committed to uh, growing and expanding the business, um, you're committed to engaging with um, with the community. Um, one last thing, you know, it's very interesting to me, well, not one last thing, but one other thing that kind of mm-hmm. pops up in my head here. It's very interesting to watch entrepreneurialism happen in the blue collar space. You know, that mm-hmm. sort of um, Mike Rowe, dirty jobs. We don't want to think about how this stuff happens. We just want to see it happen right. kind of space, right? right? And, and and where home maintenance sort of sits is on the tip end of that, right? Um, you know, you're not climbing down in the gutters. You're all not. You aren't doing plumbing or anything like that. But you could definitely see where that, where that, you could see where the clearing at the end of that path is from where you're standing. Mm-hmm. Um, with being an entrepreneur in the blue collar space, um, do you find that you get a lot of respect? Uh, that you guys get a lot of respect, or, or do you find that it's more like? gratefulness until the next thing that needs that is broken needs to be fixed like how does that how does that dynamic work when you tell folks you know who you are and what do you do yeah i i've never been asked that before and and i think it's a really great question i feel very respected in in the areas that i entertain or spend time um some some places that i spend time i'm i'm in church on sunday mornings i'm i'm in a networking group on wednesday mornings with 93 other people um, and, and I was asked to be president this year in that group. I'm in another networking group on Thursday with about 40 people. And, um, and I found that the biggest thing is like, for me in growing up is like, 
I, I do want to help people and that's where I find energy. And one example that a, a guy called me a few weeks ago and, and he was doing a job like grinding a cement floor and somehow like the HVAC system kicked down while he was doing that. And the entire house got filthy. He's like, dude, I need help so like he's like I and he's he's new in business. He had just met me. He's like, I need help so fast. I need a cleaner here like today. And I he's like, is there any way you guys can get here today? Like I need my air clean today. So I I like dropped everything and it's just my natural instinct. I called every cleaner that I know, like a cleaner and a friend of a friend of a friend somehow knew someone that could come this afternoon. And he called me that night. It was like eight thirty. He's like, dude, thank you so much. And like I don't know how much money we made that day. I don't know, you know, all these other things, but like for me, my bucket was filled that day of helping people. And I think like no matter what genre of business in you're in, you know, maybe it's you're creating an app for this or a software for that or whatever. But I think people really appreciate more like how you run your business rather than what you're what you're doing. And and so for me, I just really focused on that that giver's game. Like I love giving to people and it seems like the more I give, whether it be my time, knowledge, finances, whatever it is, it seems like the more that comes back and like you can't mm-hmm. even really keep up with it. So um, I've always felt very respected. I mean, in the beginning, is it sometimes when you look at your self-worth and you're elbow deep in a, in a air duct and you've got all over the place and like there's screws in there and you're, you're like bleeding in this person's house. You're like, this really, really sucks. But knowing that, like I always tell guys that we have a moral obligation to help people better maintain their home and we need to treat every customer like it's our mom, our sister, or our grandma. And how would you treat them? And if you knew that they had something neglected in your home, you'd let them know. You know, you'd say, hey, just have the violet here. I'd want to have this maintained. And I, and people can see that in your culture. You can see, they can see that in the people that show up at their home. That we genuinely do care about the homes. I geek out on homes. I think they're super awesome. I don't know why. But I think it's really interesting. And it's like, hey, you know, and how fortunate for me that I get to work in an industry where I get to geek out about, you know, uh, homes and new complexities that come with them. But I do feel very respected. And, and, uh, and I think I'm very fortunate to feel that way. Awesome. Awesome. Well, good. I, I, you know, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, my dad was a blue collar guy. Um, mm-hmm. He'd be, you know, he'd be shocked by what I'm doing um, and the yeah. path I've chosen in my life. But he was a very blue collar guy, and I, I definitely, I definitely appreciate that. That's so that's that's very good. Uh, you said you like geeking out on homes. What is your favorite home to geek out on? Like, where, where, do you, what kind of home do you walk in and you're like, oh, this is, and you're like, like, what, what is it that like really lights you up when you when you say you geek out on a home? Yeah, it's like. Five days of someone's home, I really want to see their utility room. Like, well, well, you know, like people like show you their home, like the first time they're like, oh, and that's just the utility room. We don't need to go in there. I'm like, but, but can we? And yeah, yeah. So, so I like, I like checking out like, Hey, what's going on here? What's going on there? Like when my wife and I uh, stay in a short term rental, oh man, I, I just like want to see exactly how they're doing. So, oh, you've got to be a nightmare in an Airbnb. <laughs> I, 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 we actually do have one and I do have good ratings. I'm, I'm the guy who like, I'll just take care of it. Like I'll like clean the dishwasher filter while I'm there and yep. I, do, I do enjoy that stuff. So I do have five star ratings as, as a guest, uh, and, and so it's a rental. but I, it's all the little things of like, Hey, how does this work? Right? Like how's, how did they design this? Like the engineer who, or the architect who designed this house, how, when it rains like a couple inches in an hour, what's their plan? You know, how mm-hmm. does this work out? Right. How are they heating this room? Like all these things, all these new, like these mini splits are a huge thing that are going viral. Like people create like man shed areas or, you know, she sheds and all these things and all these little things like that's so interesting the way that works. The air exchangers is a new technology that because homes are becoming so airtight, mm-hmm. you literally had to create a way to just bring fresh air into your home because when you're you know running your dryer or your range hood, um, your bathroom fans, it's pushing air outside the home and it needs fresh air. And homes are so um, efficient now that mm-hmm. there's no air for air to come in. So it'll seep into like a sump pump or a, through cracks in your cement, 
which you don't want that. So to me, all that stuff is so interesting that people as we're building homes have to sit here and think about these problems that are that are happening. And why does this door not shut in the winter, but it, it closes perfectly in the summer? In the summer, what, yeah. yeah. What's causing that problem and, and how can we fix it? So that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy. Secretly, I think I really could have been an engineer, but I'm not smart enough to like take all the tests and get that degree. So I have to settle for what second best. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there's also the math involved. I, you know, I did. Yeah, I'm not a. I mean, I can do basic math. I, I, I understand my accounting, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, but uh, that advanced math that always gets you at the end. So, um, as we're turning the corner here, um, you know, for for us, for the listeners of the the Hayes on Sorrells Audio Experience podcast, um, for those of us who've joined you today. Um, how can we help you out? What are the things that we can do to help you out, um, help cure home maintenance out? Uh, how can we How can we help you out? Yeah, I would say ultimately uh, follow us on social media and you know interact with us there. Like, comment. If you have an honest question, like throw it on there. We we know there's trolls and keyboard warriors out there, but we we try to answer every single question. We are offering franchises now. If you're hearing about you know hey what's going on here at Cure Home, I, I really like the way that Daniel does this or does that. Like, uh, go to our website, curehome.com, add me on LinkedIn. I manage my own profile there. And we'd love to just chit chat. So reach out to us, get connected. We love helping people learn about their homes. Awesome. We will have links to um, the Cure Home website, www.curehome.com. We will have links to the Cure Home website. We'll have links to uh, Daniel, uh, Daniel's LinkedIn uh, profile so that you can connect with him. Uh, we'll even have links to uh, where Cure Home is on Facebook um, and just all the places where you can get a hold of Cure Home, get a hold of Daniel in the show notes below the podcast player of this episode of the Hayson Sorrell's Audio Experience. Uh, well, I want to thank you, Daniel, for coming on today. This was a great conversation. Um, again, you know, I think that the future, I want to reiterate this, I think that the future is not, does not lie, uh, particularly for individuals who are, uh, who want to run a small business or want to generate a source of income and don't necessarily maybe want to go work for the man, um, as Daniel said, you know, I think that there is a path here through quote unquote boring, quote unquote unsexy, but incredibly necessary businesses. Um, people don't know what you know. And even if you think that that thing won't necessarily blow up on YouTube or blow up on Instagram or blow up on TikTok, it doesn't matter. Those are new technologies. Those are new forms of media. And while there are people that are blowing up there, the most important things that people are doing and the most important places where they're doing those things are sometimes in your home, uh, sometimes in your own backyard, sometimes with things that you're just not even considering. This whole infrastructure that was built uh, by the baby boomers during the course of the Industrial Revolution needs to be maintained, not just for this generation, but for generations to come. All right. Well, my name is Hayson Sorrells, and this is the Hayson Sorrells Audio Experience. Thank you for coming on, Daniel. I really do appreciate it. It's great to be here.